Hey there. You're listening to What the Riff, a podcast that takes you back through the years from 1965 to 1995, featuring a rock album of the month, a few staff picks, and a little more. We hope you'll find something you haven't heard in a while, along with a few deeper cuts that you may never have heard, or that you'll find a new artist to follow. Visit our website, whattheriff.com, where our blog will show you all the artists we've covered, as well as a list of every track. Thanks to our sponsors, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So it's time to turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? Iraq invades and occupies Kuwait. President George Bush orders troops to Saudi Arabia starting Operation Desert Shield. And East and West Germany announced that they would unite. This is August 1990, and you're listening to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. And I think Bruce brings us our album pick this week. That's right. Guys, what you got? It's time to do a little rocking out. We are rocking. All right. This is Queen's Ride. And that, uh, that sound is uh, Jeff Tate on vocals. Queensryche is a, uh, it's interesting, it's a group that's been described several ways. Heavy metal, progressive metal, art rock. Um, they get lumped into the hair band category a lot of times. They weren't really a hair band, though. No, they didn't that's have any of those. Uh, I mean, the song we'll, we'll get to eventually was their big hit, but it wasn't really a power ballad in the sense that it was going on and on and on just trying to trying to bank money from it they right. actually it was a real song right but you get it i mean it's you know he's he's up there in the stratosphere it's got that wall of sound kind of thing going on but but this was a very different group than a lot of the hair bands that were going on over there they're they're uh they're much more progressive in what they did in fact a lot of folks if, if you're a Queensryche fan and you're listening to this you're probably going to say look Bruce you picked the wrong album to do because huh. the big album that people will remember from them is uh, is a concept album called Operation Mindcrime from 1988 mm. and it's, it is really good it's yeah. a good album um, it's basically a rock opera uh, about this drug addict that was brought into this kind of secretive organization and was conditioned to uh, respond to the word mind crime. When he, whenever he heard the word mind crime, then he would become like this assassin and go out and, and kill oh, whoever cool. it was. So, uh, pretty dark, good, but but a, a, a very good concept album. If you like concept albums, this is one of the. I best think albums. I actually had some. I think I had that in my uh, playlist somehow. Yeah, could have. Uh, it was there were two big songs from that one. One was uh, uh, "The Eyes of a Stranger," and the other was "I Don't Believe in." You. Oh yeah, yeah. So those were those were the two big songs off of that. I decided to do this album because um, it's it's hard to do Operation Mind Crime without doing the entire album. You really need need to listen to that one from start to finish. Well, you did do twenty one twelve, which was the entire album. That was that was a whole yeah. That, that was just the side of the album, right? That was just one album side. You you have to listen to the entire thing to that. So, an empire there's there's more accessible um, 
individual songs. Yeah. So, so that's kind of the reason that I that I picked. Yeah. I thought this was Ronnie Millsap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I too love a rainy night, Rob. But uh, you know, but that'd be Eddie Money though. Eddie Rabbit. Eddie Rabbit. Eddie Rabbit? Was that? Oh, okay, yeah, it was Eddie Rabbit. Eddie Rabbit sung I Love a Rainy Night. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. gotcha. So the, the song the song that we're listening to right now, this is the fifth track and the fifth single from the album. So they had like six singles that came out from this album. Um, and it was released in November 1991. So, you know, the album came out in August of 90, and they, you know, went several... Um, you know, several months releasing, you know, single after single. Um, the uh, song facts mentions that the sleeve notes to the Japanese edition is where Chris DeGarmo, who's on guitar, says this is another Seattle-inspired song. So these guys are from Bellevue, Washington. And um, he said it's about waiting for someone in the rain and the rain being the metaphor for loneliness. Mm-hmm. Ah. Well, this is not the grunge stuff that would come in, in another year, year and a half. No. Without you. Next message. Saved Saturday at 9.24 p.m. Sorry, I'm just, it's starting to hit me like a, um, um, two-ton heavy thing. So if you were, if you heard that little answering machine uh, motif behind it, that was um, that was kind of a, a spoof on Ronald Reagan. And I thought it was president. It sounds kind of Reagan-esque. Yeah. yeah. Now, of course, Reagan had uh, left office uh, sometime previously. Uh, he was left in 1988. And so uh, George H. W. Bush was uh, in office, but they still used Reagan's voice was kind of a, a thing. I'm a fan of taking some kind of sound like that, like an answering machine or or taking an acoustic or something like that and then getting into the full sound. Like anytime, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like if you can just pick up one channel and then all of a sudden everything comes in behind it like that, I think it's a cool effect. Yeah. yeah. You mean sort of like Pink Floyd? Yeah, they did all, a lot. All the, they did all a little bit of that, yeah. Money with the money changing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and Queensryche does that. And in fact, this that's not the last time you'll hear that in this song. Right. Now, this song was a hit. This is one that actually I remember getting a lot of airplay. Of course, I listened to mostly classic rock and, you know, current hard rock at the time. A lot of these songs, and, and before the episode we were talking, how many of y'all are familiar with Queensryche? Yeah, I am. So you're familiar with them. Have I you remember. listened to them very much? Not really. Yeah. They, they didn't. Well, the next song that you're going to be playing is, is um, where they brought me in. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that most people uh, remember. This is the obviously this is Empire. So this is the title track uh, from the song from the uh, from the album. It's uh, it's about drug and gang warfare. Is kind of what it's about. So, and it's got that. It's got several things there. It's got the uh, the the little Reagan esque answering machine thing at the beginning. We'll get into a section where it's kind of a spoken word thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but uh, but this is all about the the uh, the drug, uh, you know, the drug culture and the the uh, crime and things like that, which was a big deal in the late '80s, early '90s. Has a faith no more feel a little bit. It does a little bit, doesn't it? Well, we'll get back to it. But I like the driving of this. This is just—it's—it's it, 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 
I did a song earlier by Public Events Limited, and it's just sort of like that that plotting. It's a good song to kind of just run to or ride a bike to or something yeah. like that. You just you, you know keeps you in that rhythm. It just over and over. We're kind of like bobbing our heads to this song. It's, it's like, almost. Go ahead. I man. like the voice in the background. Empire. Yes, that's what I was about to say. That's what I like about it. That empire. It kind of reminds me of a subdivision. It does, yeah. doesn't it? But you know, I remember another Rush <laughs> reference. This must be the part you're talking about. Where yeah, where they get to the spoken word. Yeah, yeah, that's coming up very, very shortly. Here it comes, I think. All of these songs are fairly long. In fiscal year 1986 to 87, local, state, and federal governments spent a combined total of 16.6 billion dollars. So the. This section where he's talking, what he's uh, what he's talking about is the the, uh, the spending that the U.S. does on law enforcement in comparison to other things, specifically national defense and space exploration, which I found kind of interesting if you think about it, because you know now here we are in you know 2019, and I wouldn't have expected somebody to critically talk about the amount of money that's spent on law enforcement. Yeah. Well. So, so, he, so the they were saying they shouldn't have been spending as much on law enforcement. No, they were saying we we don't spend oh. enough on law enforcement, and and we're right with drugs and gangs and things like and that. And we're spending it on space exploration. Yeah, and national defense. So the, the tide changed. We're not interested in going to the stars anymore, like uh, sticks. And now we're spending too much money on on, yeah. on crime. So it's just an interesting approach to things. And I do love the, the almost the chant feel of the, the song, you know, where they go in, they'll they'll take different um, motifs and, yeah. and stage them, and then they come back to this chorus that's almost a chant or a mantra. It really is like a world. It's like the Queen's Rite world, like what's going on in this yeah. world. Makes me think of like the Apple commercial from 1984. Uh, from the earth, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to have to add this to my playlist. It's a good, it's a good, uh, good mix. So yeah, Queenstrike was formed in 1980 in Bellevue, Washington, and this lineup is Jeff Tate on vocals and keyboards, Chris DeGarmo on guitars, Michael Wilton on guitars. They had two guitars going. Oh. Eddie Jackson on bass guitar and Scott Rockenfield on drums and percussion. Now, this is the hit. Yes, this is this the is song that you'll recognize. Yes. And I remember the first time I heard this. Um, guy at work where I was working at the time in Memphis, Tennessee, and he said, check this song out. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, I, and it was on a cassette. And it blew me away. I mean, it's just one of the very few that I've actually been blown away. Of course, there's others, in, but this is this one just just tore me up. Yeah. And I uh, honestly, Brian, I am not surprised that this is a song that you like because who who does who does this remind you? Pink Floyd. It's absolutely it reminds me. It, that's the first time I heard this. I thought I didn't know Pink Floyd had put out. <laughs> To be honest with you, Bruce, I never correlated the two. Maybe it's subconsciously I did, but I, I, consciously I didn't. I just thought it was just such a beautiful, and it just builds and builds until the the guitar solo. I mean, it's just so well produced. 
It actually sounded more like zebra to me. I was about to say that too. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of zebra. Yeah. And so I'll tell you, I want all you listeners to, to understand that I am equating Pink Floyd to Zebra. Yes, I am. <laughs> well, there you have it. We're going to get a lot of hate mail now. That's now. too bad. But this song's a beautiful song. It is. I have to say, it is. Uh, oh my gosh, I, it is. if I was going to say a word for it, it's beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful, nice song, and, and, and it's tremendous. And it obviously well crossover. Beats the heck out of the top songs that were going on at this time. I <laughs> <laughs> will agree with that too. But, you know, the thing about the video, though, guys, that, that that I thought was really cool was, you know, mostly the cymbals on the drum kit mm-hmm. are elevated from below, but in this case, the guy had a, a, a drum cage where the cymbals were attached were from above. And oh, they were really? And I just thought that was the coolest thing to see these guys <laughs> playing these cymbals. <laughs> They're hanging in the air from top. Well, so you can see them. Yeah. You didn't have the symbols blocking his yeah. view. So. It was really cool. It's, did, he, it's, did he go up to hit them? No, he still hit them. <laughs> <laughs> they were still the same level. They were just coming from the top as opposed to you know, hanging. Hang, hang. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> we're all trying to bang symbols going upside uh, down. Oh, we just want to bang on the drum all day. All day. That's right. So this, as I said, this is the big hit off the album. It hit number nine on the Billboard Hot 100, and it hit number one on the Billboard Album Rock Tracks chart. Um, I believe this is the only song that Queensryche had that broke into the Billboard Hot 100 in America. Hmm. So technically, Queens is one of these kind of like we uh, we we talked about Dream Theater. Technically, Queensryche is a one-hit wonder. Right. Right. But they've got so many hits. Well, this song is five minutes forty-eight seconds long. Yeah. Did it get? Did it get airplay much? Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. It it oh yeah. yeah. It I, I mean, it must have. But you, well, the next this one and the next one got the airplay. At least I'm, in Memphis, it I'm did. I'm surprised they played songs that long. Yeah, they did. Well, once again, a, there was nothing out there, and the big thing was to have a power ballad. Uh, uh, these. Hair metal bands would have power ballads. I mean, Every Rose Has a Thorn. I mean, November Rain. You know, yeah, exactly. And that, they weren't really. What was this? Hair what were they this? talking about? This is another spoken part in there. Interesting. So this is uh, the subject of the of the song is about lucid dreaming, and this uh, the the distorted voice says, "Visualize your dream, record it in the present tense, put it into permanent form." If you persist in your efforts, you can achieve dream control. So that's what it's about. Mm. So lucid dreaming is when you recognize that you're dreaming. And that's ah. when you can do stuff. You know, so you then can, you can control the dream. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what it's about. And this song actually has one of, we talked about misheard lyrics. And this is one that I have missed. And I didn't realize that I had misheard the lyric until I started studying this uh, uh, for this podcast. Oh, funny. So there's a line at the very end. It says at, at, the, at the end of that chorus, the repeating chorus, I thought he said, as I lay next to you in silent lucidity. But it's not. It's I'm smiling next to you in silent lucidity. Oh, interesting. So... Because the idea is, this is a, you know, somebody that's acting as a guide to teach somebody to to do this lucid dreaming. Almost sounds like drug references. Okay, I'm gonna, we're all gonna pop some acid here, and you know, I'm gonna take you on this wild ride. And <laughs> it could be like Inception. 
There you go. In a dream, in a dream, in a dream. That's right. Here it comes. I hear that, yeah. So that's the reference. And here is a little sampling coming up. See if you recognize this. Cello? The cello, yeah. So that's, I say sampling, it's not actually sampling, but it's borrowing Brahms' lullaby. Oh, okay. Oh. That's so. interesting. That goes with the lucidity part. It does. You can't have enough cello in a song. <laughs> <laughs> as, as we always say, you can't go wrong with a cello. That's right. <laughs> yeah, this got airplay as well. Yeah. All of the songs that I that I picked here, they got some airplay. Um, the The album itself, they had six singles, and then there's another song that um, that has made it onto albums after this one. After this one came out, um, they had a song called "Last Time in Paris" that was on the soundtrack to "The Adventures of Ford Fairlane." Do you remember the I remember this yeah. movie? Fairlane. I never saw it. Who was that? Uh, the comedian. Yeah. Wayne is Wayne is. Uh, I see smoke coming out. Wasn't Dan Aykroyd? Was it? Well, he's smoking at the time. No, yeah, no, no. 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 Uh, uh, golly, Vince. He basically was complete, a misogynist. Yes, complete politically incorrect. He was guy. not. A he turned. Guy. He turned political incorrectness up to eleven. Wasn't Lewis Black? No. All right, I'm gonna have to give it to you, aren't I? Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, oh, that's right. You yeah. remember Andrew Dice yes. Clay? So he made a movie called The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. It was basically just a means for Andrew Dice Clay to do his thing in a movie. And uh, they did the sound. They did on the soundtrack a song called Last Time in Paris. So that one was not originally on the Empire album, but it ended up on the Empire album in later editions. And there's the chorus. So this is another song about being apart and loneliness and things like that. So here's a trivia question. What is Jet City? Ooh, that's Seattle. Oh, very good. Now, how'd you know that, Brian? Boeing. Okay. Oh, because Boeing's there. I got it. Deal. Yeah, so I didn't realize that until, uh, again, this is another one where I was kind of researching for the, the podcast. And, uh, well, Bellevue, Washington is just north right there. That's right. From it's, the it is. It's, it's almost metro. It's pretty much metro Seattle, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I actually toured the, the Air Force, whatever, the, the museum that they had there. Yeah. It's actually pretty cool. It is. Yeah, it basically takes it's from from the beginning of air flight to the current ones. Mm-hmm. They actually had a old... Uh, Presidential airplane. Oh, okay. Very it was cool. a DC three at the time. So I will mention this: the 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 jet the Jet City woman is Jeff Tate's first wife, who was a flight attendant. So, and fun fact: there were two Queensrÿche groups from 2012 to 2014. Oh. So Jeff Tate had a falling out with the band in Brazil, and he was fired. And his wife, Susan, was serving as the band manager at the time, and the Tates sued the band. And uh, the preliminary injunction in the suit ruled that both parties were allowed to use the name until a court ruling or settlement decided who would get the name. 
Hmm. So the Tates had it, and the rest of the band had it for a while. And it was eventually settled that uh, the Wilton, Rockenfield, and Jackson faction would retain the band trademark. And DeGarmo, uh, Chris DeGarmo, had left the band earlier. So for two years there, there were two Queensryche groups. Are you going to touch on the name? No, but I think you will. Well, I was curious about it. So the spelling... Queensryche was modified to prevent association of the band with Nazism. And then Reich, R-Y-C-H-E, is a Middle English cognate to Reich, R-E-I-C-H, which, like the German word, can mean realm, kingdom, or empire. Okay. So the name Queensryche is written with a metal umlaut over the letter Y. That was those two different dots. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah, this is just, it's just a solid, solid group. Uh, I like their sound, and uh, it's a little bit later than a lot of the other heavy metal groups, your Judas Priests and, you know, things like that. But what's interesting to me as well is Queensryche really isn't associated with the Seattle grunge movement. No, it's not. No, no I wouldn't have. No, this has been the yeah. tail end of metal. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming once the grunge hit, they actually disappeared like all right. those metal groups. But it's interesting. It's just all up in that same geographic area, though, up there in the Seattle north, northwest. I'm sure they area. had influences on on the guys that grunge. I mean, I can I can hear it in the background. I can I can almost yeah. hear any better there in the background. Almost. This is a good good uh, album. Thanks for bringing yeah. it to oh, us. Oh, thank you. I never tired of hearing this. "Silent Lucidity." Thank you, Bruce. Yeah, we'll, we'll all work on that "Silent Lucidity." See if we can do it. <laughs> You're listening to What the Riff from August of 1990. You like what you hear? Do us a favor and leave us a review on iTunes and be sure to tell your friends about What the Riff. Now we're going to continue getting into our entertainment track. When will call, yes, it's Fats Domino. We're pulling something from the 50s. I thought this was August of 1990. <laughs> yeah, it is. But My Blue Heaven was an a- was a movie that came out then. If you remember, did you remember this movie with Steve Martin, or Rick Moranis, and I John Cusack? He had a. Um, was this the one that he had the uh, the really weird hair hairdo, yeah. and he was like a gangster or something? He was a gangster. This ah. is actually a sequel to Goodfellas, believe oh. it or not. But. It was more a comedic fashion, obviously with Steve Martin and, and Rick Moranis. Uh, it's based on the life of Henry Hill. Um, he basically got a new name and everything else and was shipped off to California like Please in San Diego. Please tell me he went from Henry Hill to Hank Hill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Damn it, Bobby. <laughs> I'm not good at it. But yeah, that was that was that was the whole thing. Is he, he ended up in a in a town and uh, just he, he tried to bully everybody because he was a, a mobster. Was this song redone at this time? No, they, they actually used the um, the song that the original. The, yeah, the original from Fats Domino. I mean, it sounds like an original. Other movies, Air America came out with Mel Gibson talking about the air mm-hmm. airline stuff with a uh, mouse uh, during the Vietnam War. Mo, Mo Better Blues, Young Guns Two. Flatliners. Flatliners. That was oh, a, yeah. interesting yeah. movie. It was. A, it was. They've redone it. I don't think the, the redo was yeah. very good, but the original was Watch really the original good. with Kevin Bacon. Yeah. yeah. 
And then the Exorcist 3. I didn't know there was a third one, but that didn't come out. Even more Exorcist. Yeah. The Two Jakes, which is uh, a sequel to Chinatown with Jack Nicholson. Dark Man. Delta Force 2. Pump Up the Volume. As Entertainment, August 1990. All right, so we're going to get into staff picks from August of 1990, and I'm going to lead it off. I'm kind of like Wayne, where I didn't like a whole lot of music in this time period, but this is kind of interesting. This is Concrete Blonde. This is their number one hit. It spent four weeks on the Billboard 100 and made it all the way to number 19. Rob, I almost picked this one it, myself. Did you? Yeah, yeah. and, and you kind of, I, I go, man, but I go, uh, it was sort of, they hit that alternative stuff that was starting to click over. This yeah. was one of those first songs that sort of filtered in. Well, Johnette Napolitano is the lead singer, and I mean, you can hear that, her voice going from low to high. She's got quite a range. Oh, powerful, powerful yeah. voice. Powerful voice, and I, I think it's... I think it's a cool voice. The name Concrete Blind, somebody said, came from describing the contrast between the rock sound and then the deep lyrics and the meaning in the lyrics. The song's about, it was an alcoholic, and she wrote this about being in love with him. She said in a concert in 2002 that this song was actually about Mark Moreland. Mark Moreland was from Wall of Voodoo. Mm, okay. She was quoted as saying, I had met Mark Moreland in Australia the first time that Concrete Blonde toured. That was the first country we toured outside of America. We were opening for Wall of Voodoo in Australia, and we just became tighter than anything in a very short time. There was a lot of mutual worship there. So she was writing this about her relationship with him. He actually passed away. He had um, he had uh, kidney issues. And At that time or later? Later. Oh. And she said that it was about him going okay. through issues with alcohol. She, she also mentioned that she wrote this during a cab ride in Philadelphia. Huh. So... Somehow, it, I guess uh, if you're sitting there in the back of a cab getting bored, may as well write a song, right? This one of the things with the, especially with the, uh, you know, the creatives, the songwriters and things like that, it's like the muse will hit them in oh, yeah. odd places and you've just got to have a scratch pad or the back of an envelope or something. I've got to say, I'm in advertising and for me coming up with these ideas and stuff, it it could hit at any point. I've always got a notepad, and now your, your iPhone, you can put a note on there, and I'm constantly recording something. So did you hear that, Uber drivers? Now you need to have a notepad and a pen in the back <laughs> of your Uber driver. I was riding <laughs> with an Uber driver, and she had a notepad that she, in, when she would hear things, uh, little phrases and oh, things She's going like to write a book. Write yeah, that's what she was doing. She was, uh, she was writing a book. Yeah, I guess if she's writing a book, that'll be... Uh, oh, and don't want to diss the Lyft drivers. Lyft drivers also. That's right. There's some deeper cuts on this album. There's one called Caroline. It's interesting. In my mind, I'm going to Carolina. Yeah. There's another one called uh, God is a Bullet, which I thought was interesting. 
And believe it or not, they did an interesting cover of Jimi Hendrix's Little Wing. Okay. So this is that's all on their album Bloodletting. I actually had this album, so I, I oh, this was, yeah, this was one of those ones where you just sort of like, okay, I enjoy this new progressive music that's starting to hit here that's a little different than yeah. the crap that was actually there at the time. But I hadn't heard it in a while, so I Yeah, no, this is a great pick. song. Thank Good you. Call. Thank you, Rob. Call. Now we're moving on to the next staff pick, and Brian has it. This is more sort of EMD type stuff. Yes. Everybody to the dance, dance music. floor. <laughs> you recognize the song, gentlemen? I, I love this song. Big this, fan of the group. Yes, this song is from Depeche Mode. Or Depeche Mode. <laughs> Depeche. Depeche. This song originally uh, was supposed to be a, a, more of a, a ballad. More, you know, instead, the band heard it. They said, no, let's try, you know, increasing the tempo here. And the band liked it. At first, they didn't. And then they started listening to it more and more. And sure enough, they, they enjoyed it. They liked the song. So here's what you got. You got more of an up-tempo song about a relationship. The guy's in a relationship. And he's... He's, we don't have to talk. We don't have to do much. We just let's enjoy the silence. Ah, <laughs> you can hear two two phases of music. This is sort of like that 1980s synth stuff with the it, with the drum machine and the and the the the, the synthesizer. Yeah. And, but then you can kind of hear the electrical dance music sort of stuff kind of building itself in the background. Yeah, it feels like the Smiths yeah. to me. Yes. I really get the Smiths yeah. feel. The song was written by the primary songwriter of the band, and that was Martin Gore. No relation to our, the creator of the internet, Al Gore. Yep. yep. So That we know of. Right. Martin Gore wrote the song, and the lead singer, of course, is Dave Gahan, or Gahan, whatever you want to say his name. Um, the video is very interesting, though. Have you, have you ever seen the video? Uh, it's not jumping out at me right now. Right. The video basically is a video of Dave Gahan as dressed as a king. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he goes out in the country. It looks like Scotland or somewhere. It's good to be the king. It's good to be the king. <laughs> and, he's, and he's carrying with him a, a, a just a, a recline a chair mm-hmm. that you carry to the beach. <laughs> and basically, the concept was that you know what, as king, you have everything you need and want, but basically, you just want that serenity. So he's he's constantly looking around the countryside. The different parts of, the, of Scotland or England, looking for that just place just to sit down and, and be quiet and enjoy the silence. <laughs> so, go figure. <laughs> but this this song actually won the award in Great Britain for song of the year. Did it really? It did in 1991. Yeah, I like Depeche Mode. Yeah. I really didn't get an appreciation for them. Until later years. Really? I really did. Uh, the, their sound is just pure. There's mm-hmm. really nothing fancy about it. And it's just, you know, it's a nice, nice tempo, nice, nice It was sound. never my type of music. I mean, I put them in The Cure, yeah, The Church. Uh, you know, those those groups there, it's sort of like, okay, that was 
a little melancholy. The, yeah, a little bit too much of that. But you know, hey, it was enjoyable. Actually, it was the it, it wasn't for nineteen ninety. It was for the best Brit signal, a single. Excuse me. So the best single in Britain got it uh, for the, the song. So. Well, top songs of August 1990, Vision of Love by Mariah Carey, The Power by Snap, Rub You the White Way by Johnny Gill, Cradle of Love, The ah, Idol. I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> if Wishes Came True, Sweet Sensation. Tell you what, but, only know one of them I'll, there that's worth a darn. This is I, Wayne's I favorite. That, yeah, I will say, though, that the song Vision of Love by Mariah Carey was her first big hit, and it just propelled yeah. her into superstar uh, and super diva. But there were so many. The, the music was really, really hard to listen to at that time. And then this song came out. Yeah. And I went, ah, there's some rock and roll still out there. There's some blues out there. There's some stuff that's going to really grab your attention. And looking for a song for this, I went through and I, I was just going, no, I'm not doing Warrant Cherry Pie. I'm not, you know, there were several kind of like hair metal bands. And I went, this was rock and roll. Yeah, and this is I, solid. And if you don't know the group, it's the Black Crows. They're Atlanta's, or Georgia's own Black Georgia, Crows. I yeah. think they're from Marietta. Uh, but this is hard to handle. Yeah. You know, this is a remake. I, I did know that at the time. I can't remember who did it, though. What what have you got on that? Otis Redding did this song. Oh, oh yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It was written by him. Um, and so, but this song sold over 5 million copies. Well so, done. Yeah. Very well done. I remember seeing this, at, uh, this group, Black Crows, first time they ever were on national television was David Letterman's show, The Late Night with David Letterman. And David just when this song came out, he was just he was throwing those cards and pencils and everything else. He goes, you know, fake drumming with the pencil and everything yeah. else. And, he, and when it was over, he goes, "That's music," you know. And he, you know, that's how bad music was in the eighty late eighties and early nineties before grunge kind of came out. But yeah, I I really enjoy the Black Crows because there's kind of rock and roll blues and and. They, they had it at it's that time. The vocals on this and then that organ in the background is really solid. It's really rocking out. Now, the first incarnation of the band was called Mrs. Crow's Gar- Mr. Crow's Garden, named after a children's book. And then, um, and of course, the driving force is Chris and Rich Robinson. Chris Robinson's the lead singer on this. Here's to you, Mr. Robinson. They're still touring. I've... Uh, no, no, actually, uh, no, they broke up um, uh, uh, in 2015. Oh. So they finally, their final tour was in 2013. Now, individuals still go out and tour, and they'll play their old Black Crow songs, but no, they they officially broke up the band. Chris Robinson was married to, uh, what's that famous actress? Uh, Goldie Hawn's daughter, what's her name? Uh, not jumping out at me. Well, anyway, he was married to her. Well, this is off the the the, the album "Shank Your Money Maker," and it was the debut album, and uh, very successful. Yeah, exactly. They were a warm-up band for ZZ Top's tour. Um, it was a Miller Beer tour, and they ended up getting kicked off the tour um, <laughs> because they had a uh, Chris Robinson had a tirade against uh, against Miller Beer for some reason. Oh. But because it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was married to Kate Hudson. Thank you, Bruce. Kate Hudson. All right. Yeah, that was good. That was jamming. 
Got to close it out now. Bruce. Here we go. Well, we talked about them earlier. Yes, we did. Deja vu. <laughs> All over again. <laughs> Okay, if you haven't already identified the song, this is Epic by Faith No More. This is off of their third studio album entitled The Real Thing, but it's their first with Mike Patton on the vocals. So, Mike uh, Patton came out of an experimental funk band called Mr. Bungle, uh, and this is kind of hip-hop meets thrash metal. Yeah. I actually thought that this was Red Hot Chili Peppers when I first kind of came out. Yeah. You know who well, I thought it was originally? The Beastie Boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had a little bit of that sound, too. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you named uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rob, because there's a story behind that. Oh. There's, uh, there was some controversy around Faith No More and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So they've got a similar sound. Yeah. But if you look at the video... Um, uh, Anthony Anthony Kiedis of uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers watched the video and he's like, "Wait a second, this guy's taking all my moves, <laughs> his moves." Yeah, so he, he accused Mike Patton of stealing his style in the epic music video. Well, I mean, they've got that same kind of power and passion and way they're kind of rapping. Yeah, so I would think that you might have similar moves. But exactly. that's not the only controversy of this song. No, it's not. Because PETA came out against them. Yes. Don't steal my thunder, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. I didn't know it was I didn't know about the PETA thing. Well, yeah, actually, PETA, tell PETA you got onto him. You brought, you brought it up, so go ahead. Go ahead and tell me about that. Well, the PETA if thing. you saw the video, mm-hmm. it showed a flopping fish yes. on dry land gasping for water, I guess, not air. But it was just, and it looked like it was dying. Right. And so suddenly they got in some major hot water for that. Yeah. Now, it doesn't take much to get in hot water with Peter. Let's, let's Did they honest. come and splash uh, blood all over the fish? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not that I'm aware of, but there, actually the controversy goes deeper than that, way. Ah. So get this. Uh, yeah, the, the so the video had that fish out of water flopping around it's toward the end we, we'll have to we may have to link to the video oh yeah oh yeah no doubt so um, on our Facebook page here's the deal the fish was given to keyboardist Roddy Bottom by Bjork oh. at a poetry reading in San Francisco okay this is this is all from Wikipedia so you know it's true well it's gotta be alright um, Bjork according to, to Wikipedia Bjork said I know these guys I know they wouldn't do anything to harm them. <laughs> but I know if I had gone home with my fish, which was given to me, none of this would have ever happened. <laughs> I found that just terrific. There's all there's controversy about all kinds of things. That's oh yeah. What makes it fun looking into these groups doing what the riff is kinda like all these different connections that you are this, of. This line right here, I, I, I finally looked it up, and it's just saying, it's it. What is it? Just over and over. It's it. It's it. What is it? Well, I have on my 
future list of when we'll get to it. It's, it's a dirty job, but someone's got to do there it. That's, that. that's the Faith No More song I'm going to be doing soon, oh, or okay. whenever we get to it. Good deal. I like the way this kind of ramps down into the piano part, too. It made me think of there is a there is a uh, a modern song a serious song from like the forties or fifties called um, Concerto for Codfish and Piano <laughs> because it had the fish. So there's supposedly there's one where they hold the damper pedal down, they throw a fish into the strings and let it flop around, and when the fish dies, the concert is over. Which I'll bet you Peter would have a problem with that. One. Yeah, they would have a problem with that one too. <laughs> It's interesting they bring the piano in at the end because I don't didn't hear it anywhere else. It's right. just at the very end. Nice, nice pick. I wanted to do it, but you did it well. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Well, now we're going to move on to our uh, instrumental uh, slash comedy, and this is obviously an instrumental uh, from August of 1990. Who is it? This is the Vaughn Brothers, um, Stevie Ray Vaughn oh, yeah. and Jimmy. Yeah, Stevie and Jimmy. Yeah, and the reason why I brought brought this one in it was it was. A, on the hits at this time, it was somewhere on one of the charts. But the reason why is because a guitarist, Stevie Ray Vaughan, had would die, had died on, in August of 1990 on a oh. helicopter crash. Oh, we yeah. had had we focused on Stevie Ray Vaughan beforehand, yep. but um, it was interesting that it was a helicopter, not an airplane this time. And he was only 35 years old at the time. Hmm. And more music news at the time. Curtis Mayfield, he was paralyzed from the neck down from an outdoor concert accident. After stage lighting equipment fell and oh. hit, uh, hit him on top. Good mm. grief. Yeah. So, so, it was something from the air, but it wasn't an airplane. Was yeah, not. wow. And then uh, finally, uh, in news at that time, a judge ruled that the heavy metal band Judas Priest was not responsible for the actions of two Nevada youths who shot themselves, one fatally, after listening to the band's music in December of 1985. And I vividly remember that case. Mm. And, and, what was the guy's name? It was a radio broadcaster back at that time. His name's Michael Jackson, not, not of course, the one, you know, the, the musician. But do you remember him? He used to have a syndicated program on ABC Radio, mm-hmm. Michael Jackson. And he had talked about this one day, and I never listened to talk radio back then, but I just happened to catch this program. And they had a guy, they played the clip from that that you're talking about. And I could barely understand anything. Mm-hmm. And, and he played the clip, and then people would call in the, and... and Nine out of ten callers said, "What did he say? Yeah. What did what did they, what were they saying? You know, in? music doesn't influence that much because I I really liked and played all the time. If you like me better, you know, if we slept together, and that that, <laughs> and that didn't, didn't that didn't influence a lot. <laughs> no, but there's, there's, there's a line they called do it, do it, do it. You're basically, yeah, do yeah. it, do it, do it. And I could hear that, but, mm-hmm. but there was no. I just remember thinking to myself. There's no, there's no influence in this song telling me to kill myself. Yeah. Right. Albums yeah. at that time that came out, um, not much. Enigma, Mission UK, CC and the Music Factory, uh, Beat, Meet the Manifesto, and the best one, The Simpsons had The Simpsons Sings the Blues. Fantastic. <laughs> but that was What the Riff of August 1990. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. Hope you enjoyed it. We did. You've been listening to What the Riff? We hope you've enjoyed riffing with us and all the songs we had on tap today. Check out our website, whattheriff.com, to find a complete list of our blog and then find each track on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify to listen to them again. Follow us on Facebook at What the Riff 
and let us know what artists you'd like us to feature in the future. Tell your friends about us, and thank you to our sponsors, Stanton Electric and Marbury Creative Group. See you next time on What the Rift?